Oh, what a, what a beautiful sight. And um, we are so blessed to have so many strong families. Uh, I look at Zane Kirkland, who's so active with our youth and uh, a part of their lives, one of our shepherds. And so what, what a blessing. And this morning, uh, I want to start with a comeback story, I think, that's especially appropriate for our seniors. And it's a comeback story uh, of a young man named Jared Wallace. Jared Wallace was a runner. Go ahead and show a picture of him if you would. Jared Wallace was 18 years old, a high school senior. He was offered a scholarship to the University of Georgia, which had always been his dream. He had run his whole life, and he was really quite amazing. The, the word Olympics was often whispered when he was around because he won almost every race. And so he's a senior, he's heading off to Georgia, and he begins to have some pressure in his right calf. And before long, it just won't go away, and he's taken to surgery. They remove 60% of his calf, of his muscles, actually his muscles in his right, right leg. And, and yet he's still determined to run. But then it just keeps on hurting and keeps on hurting. He often falls on the track just in tears because this is his dream to run. And finally, he keeps going back to the doctor in the middle of college, and uh, the doctor finally says the word he never wanted to hear, and that was the word amputate. And so they had to amputate his right leg at age 20. He got a prosthetic leg. For a while there, he'd wandered from God and just was so mad about everything that had happened that he went into a party and lifestyle. But then he got this prosthetic leg, and he had a, a new dream, and that was to, to run in the Paralympics. And so he made that his goal. And then he's knocked down again by bursitis. But in the middle of this, in one of his low points, he's, he listens to God. He talks to God. He turns back to God. And he hears God say, it doesn't matter to me how important you are. It matters to me that you are close to me. And so now he had a new dream. And this dream was to run in the Paralympics. 2012, he went with the team in the 4x11 relay. Looked like they had won until afterwards they found out they were disqualified because one person had handed the baton off beyond the line. But he kept running, finding the 2013 World Games. He's running the 200 meters. In the semifinals, he wins the race. In fact, he, he beats the world record. In the finals... He beats his own world record. What a story. On that blade you see there, he has inscripted, I run for him. You see, the chances are that you've had a dream that's been dashed. As we talk to high school seniors today, honestly, as we talk to all of us today, you know, so often when it comes this time of year with high school seniors, you're going to hear all these flowery speeches about how great you're going to do and how everything's going to be one string of successes. But the truth is, success is the exception. I like J.K. Rawlings' quotation, failure is important. We speak about success all the time. It's the ability to use failure that often leads to the greatest success. So we got to talk about failure a little bit. You know, as we're talking about comebacks in this series, today I think we talk about the most challenging type of comeback. And that is a comeback when your dreams are dashed and it's not your fault. That's the distinction. It's not your fault. 
We, we've looked at two characters over the last few weeks. We've looked at the character of Simon Peter, who falls flat on his face. But let's be honest, it's his fault. He denies the Lord. We love his comeback story. Last week, we looked at King David. He's dashed, but it's his fault. He chooses to commit adultery. He chooses to commit murder. But today, we look at a young man whose dreams are dashed, who doesn't cause it. In fact, when we meet Joseph, he's 17 years old. So this message is for you today. If you've ever been abandoned, if you've ever been left behind, if you've ever been sold out, if you've ever been stabbed in your back, if your dreams have ever been dashed and it wasn't your fault. You see, Joseph has quite a life. Let's, let's just look at the trajectory of Joseph's life. I mean, it starts off up here. I mean, I mean, Joseph is the youngest son. He's the favorite son. He's the son with the coat of many colors. It's beautiful. And his daddy loves him. And his brothers resent him. Now, Joseph's whole life, he's a dreamer. One night he has this dream where it ends up that his, his siblings are all bowing down to him in front of him. Note to self, if you ever have a dream where your siblings are bowing down to you, please don't tell them, okay? <laughs> Joseph's a little bratty, and he tells them that one day you're going to bow down to me. They resent him even more, and so finally they come up with a, a scheme where they're actually going to kill him. At the last minute, they decide not to kill him. They decide simply to, to sell him into slavery and make a little money out of it. So he's sent to Egypt, and he's, he's in slavery, none of his own fault. And, and then he gets to Egypt, he's in slavery, and he's, he's purchased by a slave owner named Potiphar. And, and Potiphar begins to notice that, that Joseph is so successful and so diligent that everything he touches turns to gold. And so he just turns over more and more of his house. And, and Joseph's a powerful man working for what we'd call the head of the FBI. And then... Not only did his master notice him, but in a lustful way, Mrs. Potiphar noticed him. You see, Joseph is on Egyptian sexiest men list, all right? At least that's what she thinks. And so she makes a very direct move on him. And he says no, and she is shocked. And he runs out of the house, and she screams rape. And then he's put in prison. And then he gets in prison, and there's the cupbearer of the king, and there's another man, the baker, and they've got some dreams that he can interpret. And, and the baker ends up being killed, and the cupbearer gets out, and the cupbearer says, I'm going to remember you when I get to the king. I'll get you out of here. No, 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 it doesn't happen. For two years, he is forgotten. And then Pharaoh has a dream, and the cupbearer remembers this dreamer who can interpret dream back in prison and they call joseph and now the comeback begins joseph interprets the dream pharaoh puts joseph as the second in command in the most powerful country in all of the world and before long he is reunited with his brothers and before long the comeback goes through this ceiling all the way to he will be the one who will protect the nation of israel through whom the messiah will come what a comeback. But do you look at that graph? 
a good exercise for any of us would be to go back and graph the trajectory of our life. It would probably look like this. We had an amazing, well-attended men's night on Tuesday night. And one thing Dr. Brian Richardson said about overcoming anything, it's not a straight line to success. It's not a straight line to victory. He went on the whiteboard and he wrote a scribbling, rounded, up and down line that slowly goes up. And that's normally the way our lives look. Because along the line, we're going to experience failure. And yet look with me in chapter 50 of Genesis, if you have your Bible, just for a moment. And look at how this story begins to end. Well, really, we see it earlier when his brothers come back. They don't recognize him, obviously. It's been, you know, it's been 13 years. I mean, he was 17 when he slowed. He's 30 now. His brothers don't know who he is, and he slowly reveals himself. In the long run, they go back and get his dad, who who thought his son was dead, and they bring him, and there's this beautiful reunion. But then the brothers get really scared when, guess what? Dad dies. And what do you think they think is going to happen? The only reason he's protected us is for Dad. And so they come to Joseph, and they beg him. They please spare us. In fact, they say, Dad left a note before he died to you to say, please don't kill my other sons. And then listen to Joseph's response when they throw themselves before him and say, we are your slaves. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. What a story. Now, let's, let's just write down some principles together really quickly. What happens? What are the principles you can learn from this story? And we've just taken a sweeping view of the ups and downs, the setbacks and comebacks of uh, Joseph's life. What are some principles for when your dreams are dashed? I mean, again, I'm speaking to all of us, but I'm speaking to these seniors because, again, you leave here and, and, and the, everybody's going to tell you it's just going to be one, you know, tiptoe through the roses, to use an old phrase. I mean, it's just going to be one wonderful ride the rest of your life, and much of it will be. But, but there's going to be some dreams you may have right now that are dashed. There's going to be some setbacks, some that will be caused by your own misfortune and misdeeds. Some, this is the hard part, will be caused by other people. How do you handle that? Number one, here's the principle. God goes the distance with us. I mean, can you imagine being a, I mean, we read this story and we've read it too many times so it doesn't shock us. Can you imagine being a 17-year-old boy sold into slavery by your own brothers? Can you imagine you're living an innocent life, trying to live a righteous life, and yet you in the middle of this life are accused of rape? And yet, as you read Genesis, and we understand Moses is writing Genesis, all through the story, almost every few verses, Moses writes this, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. It's almost as Moses is so embarrassed by this story. He's got to remind people that God's really there. And so guys, here is, here's the point. 
The point is, no matter how many setbacks you have, God is going the distance with you. He's always there. And just like Jared Wallace learned, it was more important that he build a relationship with God than he had success on the track. And, and we as a church want to say to you, because very few people in culture can say this to you, we believe it's more important that you build a relationship with God than you make a success in business or in your grades or in anything else. All those things we hope you have. But beyond that and more important is the relationship that you build with God. God goes the distance with us. Number two, don't stop giving your best. You know, did I sort of try to step back and read this story freshly over the last few weeks? What really amazes me is that everything Joseph does, he does with excellence. I mean, you know, if, if he's a slave, he's a great slave. If he's a manager of a household, he's the best. If he's the assistant to the Pharaoh, man, he knocks it out of the park. Can, can you, though, imagine the excuses that Joseph would have to cut corners? To not give his best? I mean, God, if you're all you're hyped up to be, how could this happen to me? How could my own family members do this to me? And the truth is, every time I get up and I I rebound, I'm struck back down. I mean, eventually, you know, you get knocked down so many times. If I'm Joseph, I'm like, Man, I'm just going to get me a little corner and crawl in it and just live life out. Don't call upon me to do a great job. I don't even like you guys. This is not even my people. And yet everything Joseph touches turns to gold. And he just won't stop doing his best. Because if there's there's a Bible word that we need to cling to, it's the word perseverance. And what is perseverance? We'd say it this way. It's just keep on keeping on. That's what Joseph does. And, and that's the challenge to us. It's even when it appears from sight that God has abandoned us, we keep on giving our best. You know, number three, I think, so important. Above all else, guard your heart. That's a proverb. But that's the point of the story. Above all else, guard your heart. What's even more amazing to me that Joseph kept giving the best, and what's more amazing to me is that he never became bitter. I mean, think about this. You know, this this is not a light story where someone just talks behind your back. This is not just you missed out on a promotion when the guy you didn't think deserved it. Got it. These are serious charges. And in the long run, when we see his brothers come back, I mean, what do you expect? The very guys that are willing to sell him, make it appear to his father that he's dead? I mean, his comeback could have been a great time for payback. But he doesn't. I love this quotation. I'd like you to learn it with me. Never let success go to your head. Say that with me. Never let success go to your head. Here's the big one. Never let failure go to your heart. Say that with me. Never let failure go to your heart. Say it together. Never let success go to your head. Never let failure go to your heart. My friends, I'm convinced there's more temptation 
and failure than often success because it can embitter your heart. Some of you high school seniors, you know some older people that are wonderful and that are sweet and that you, you actually cherish being around them. It might be your grandparents. You also know some older people that you would rather not be around because they're bitter and they're angry and they're sad and they just are full of gloom. And guys, the difference in those two sets of people is not that one had a perfect life and one had an imperfect life, one with everything went their way and one didn't. The difference is they all underwent failure. It's how they responded to it. In fact, it might be possible that the sweet one undertook more failure than the bitter one. But the problem is, is when failure goes to your heart, when you begin to hold on to grudges, when you begin to not practice forgiveness, when you begin to go through life with a list of all the people who have done you wrong. And that's what really amazes me about Joseph. And he's in the position with the power to pay back. And he blesses. And then number four is really, really important. Your story is a part of God's story. I mean, all of this is a part of God working his way to the Messiah. I mean, here's what's going on here, guys, is he's saving. There's a famine all across the world. It's Joseph that prepares Egypt to be able to handle this famine. In the long run, the people of God are rescued to come to Egypt. And eventually we know about the exodus, and we know about them going back to the promised land, and we know that this is all a part of the coming of Jesus Christ. And here's what's amazing about Joseph's story is all these ups and downs and comebacks and payback and, you know, and fall. It's, it's all about God working his story. Now, here's the thing about it that, that strikes me is I don't know that at every moment Joseph knew that. And in your life, there are going to be points where you... It doesn't look like God's story, not in your vantage point, not in your little place on the earth when God's looking from heaven. It, it, it appears that God's story is not making much progress. But here's the awesome, awesome thing is that, guess what? His brothers aren't in charge. His circumstances aren't in charge of his life. Pharaoh's not in charge of his life. Joseph's not even in charge of his own life. God's in charge the whole way. And God is weaving Joseph's story and his story together. And that's what God wants to do in your life and my life. And that doesn't mean just the good parts of your story. That means the bad parts of your story. Why are we studying Peter and David and Joseph? Because their failure was a part of the tapestry of the very work of God. And we must believe that we can do that. In fact, that brings me to number five. Your story is about someone else's salvation. You gotta, you gotta catch that. It's about someone else's salvation. Back in chapter 45, when they first come, the brothers, and they're scared to death, listen to what Joseph says. Chapter 45, verse five. And now do not be distressed, Listen to this. This is crazy. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. You think you could say that? Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. 
Is that crazy good? You see, Joseph's story was about other people's salvation. And, and what you need to understand is that your story is about other people finding God. You see, let me say this to these seniors, to all of us, honestly. When you're on top, people are watching you. They are. But they're also watching you when you're on bottom. When you're a failure, people are going to watch you even more than when you're a success. Because what differentiates people of faith and people who don't have faith is that we actually do believe that God is behind the story. We do believe that the worst thing in my life can be used for the best thing for God's kingdom. I mean, think about it, guys. The chosen people come through this story. The Messiah comes through this story. Here we are. Just think how crazy this is. Thousands of years later, and we're still learning how to handle life from this 17-year-old kid named Joseph. We can still say to a group of of modern high school seniors whose lives in some way look so different than Joseph's that if you need a role model of what life can look like and how you handle life, look at Joseph. Because God has bigger dreams for your life than you have for your life. God has bigger dreams for your life than your folks have for your life. God has bigger dreams for your life, and often some of your dreams will be dashed. But what he will replace it with will be far, far better. Learn that from Joseph. I want you to hear a, a personal comeback story right now. I want to ask Trace Odd if he'd come and talk to me just a moment. Any of you have grown up in this church, you've seen Trace literally grow up. It's, it's, that's a big man, isn't it? What do you think Trace plays? He plays football. Good. Thank you, Brother Jeremy. We'll let you rest a second here, Trace. Uh, Trace plays football. He's a junior at Octaga Academy. Um, Actually, even right now, his junior year, he's being approached by some Division I programs about playing. He's an offensive lineman, and I'm going to be very careful not to make you mad, okay, <laughs> while we're up here. I mean, this is, this is amazing. But Trace, many of you have watched this. Here's his mom sitting on the second row. She's lived through a lot of this. Life has not really been that easy for Trace Ott. So Trace, just to, to sort of give him a picture of the, of the falls, the failures, the difficulties in life that honestly here's here's what made me think about you this week is that you didn't cause this tell us about the worst year of your life and some of the things that happened yes sir well the worst year of my life was probably when i was 14 years old in 2014 it was just start of a new year just got through the holidays with my family and everything and i thought everything was good and that time everything was going good and then on February 6th, me and my mom, we were eating at Chappie's, and my grandmother called my mom on the phone, and it just kind of, I just had that feeling that something wasn't right when it, uh, she called, and my mom kind of got up from the table and went outside, and then she came back in, and she had told me, which no parent should ever have to tell their child this, that your 
father has just committed suicide and is dead. And part of me just didn't want to believe that until I really got there and saw for myself. And when I did, I just lost it. And and that that was kind of, I figured that would just kind of be a little quick spell of something bad that went on in my life. And it would just, I would overcome it and get better. But it kind of went from getting worse and worse. And a couple months later, my mom ended up losing her job, actually. And I had to, we had to move in with a teammate at my school. And I just felt for the longest time in that whole year that I just couldn't really win anymore at all. And it just really affected my character as a person. And, you know, it affected my church life and my home life that I just, I really became really angry and just real bitter with myself. And I kind of started blaming God and turning away from God. And that was probably just the low of the low I've ever been. Well, t- tell me, Trace, a little bit, uh, how, how low did you actually get? Well, I quit coming to church, you know, I just, my attitude at that point was, you know, I feel like, God, what have I done to, have I disappointed you in some way? Why do I have to go through this? Because, I mean, with my, my dad had really never been in my life. He kind of had problems with drug use and he was an alcoholic at the time. But right before that, me and him had just really connected and everything was going really good. So I just kept looking back and I just couldn't decide, I just didn't know what to do about I mean I just kind of put a lot of blame on God and was real angry with God just asking why did this have to happen to me why am I going through this I don't understand any of this I'm only 14 those are pretty um pretty legitimate questions so um you wouldn't be up here if there were a turning point what was the turning point when when did when did you start bouncing back well, it all started, I was, we were doing spring football when I, I was at the end of my ninth grade year, and me and a teammate actually got into a big argument at uh, practice, and the next day my coach called me in the office, and he just sat down and talked with me, and, you know, I had told him all I was going through, and just the thing that, I, the quote that he kind of told me that I kind of just lived my life by, and it's, um, if you're going to fall down, the best way is to fall down on your back, because the only way to look, to go is up. And I, when I, at the time I was kind of immature and just I was like, yeah, he doesn't know what I'm going through, you know. I don't know if anything's going to change. And then I went home and I remember getting on my phone and the first thing I see on social media was Michael Irvin's Hall of Fame speech. And the three, he kind of was talking about times that in his life where he kind of was disappointed and just was kind of out of it and hit a rock bottom and he said to look up get up and don't ever give up and at that time I just kind of decided you know I could use my situation instead of saying why me I can go why not me and use this as a blessing and a gift to help somebody else and if they can see me going through this and still have a smile on my face and still show up and just do everything to the best of my ability, you know, that can make, help them come o- overcome whatever they're coming at, whatever's happening in their life. Well, that's just really beautiful. It's, it's amazing that you, you had that turning point and, and could decide to use this for something good and not, not stay bitter. So, so what role did God play in the middle of all this? It's just a stronghold, man. I just, he never really let me get too low and he would, he picked me right back up when I just asked for it at the lowest time I felt. And, he was always there just for strength, really, and just let me know, you know, this is okay. This situation is not going to affect your future and the plan that I have for you. And it really just kind of helped me keep my head straight when I and go right when I could have very easily went left. Amen. Amen. 
So through it, could you, could you see God through the story? Looking back on it now, I definitely could. Yeah. He was always there with me. I think that's very similar to Joseph. I imagine lots of points in the story, he didn't see it. It's always easier to see it through retrospect. And I think that's why God gives us these stories and why we need to listen to your story is because when you're in the middle of it, you think God has abandoned me. But when you can look back, you can see, man, his hand. I mean, I know this is not the first time you've given your testimony and God is using you in a powerful way. So we're very proud of you. And uh, I want you to help us as we, we, we prepare for communion in just a moment. Um, when, when you get home today, Google Joseph, not Joseph the father of Jesus, but Joseph from the Old Testament. Google Joseph and Jesus. And um, there are all these sites that list the similarity between Joseph's story and Jesus' story. It's really quite amazing. One site lists 50, one site lists 100. Just the similarity of their lives and how it went. And, and obviously Joseph was the rescuer, you know, of, of, of God's people. He ends up really being their savior. He's really a you know, picture of what's going to happen in the ultimate rescuer and the ultimate saver, Jesus. And so today as we take communion, I want you to think about how God has rescued your life. And I don't want you just to think about the high points. I want you to even think about the low points. And that how even now you can begin to see the picture of how God is using those, not just to bless you and mold you like he did Joseph, like he has you, Trace, but exactly what he's doing right now to bless somebody else. So, Trace, would you pray over the bread? Yes, sir. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you in prayer right now and just thank you for this great day that you've given us, Lord. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room that is just struggling with something or just something is going on in their life and they don't know why it's happening, Lord, just that they remember just to look up and get up and just never give up, Lord. God, I want to thank you for the bread and the cup, Lord, as it represents your son and the great sacrifice he made for us that cleansed us of all our sins, Lord, and gives us eternal life with you, Lord. God, I just want to thank you just for all the blessings that you've given us, Lord, as we probably don't deserve most of them, but just with all of your grace and your mercy and love that you grant it to us, Lord, just because you love us. Lord, I just want to thank you for everything. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to do one thing before we close out here. Trace, I want you to stand up so everybody can see you and tell you how proud we are of you. I love Trace. I love his mom. And one thing I've always loved about them is every time they fall, they come back. And there's great lessons to learn from that. We are so proud of you. So proud of all of our seniors today. Just a great day to recognize that you, you have a church family that's behind you. I, I want to close out with the, the, a Zig Ziglar uh, quotation. But I want to mention one thing to you before we go to that. Is, is in your bulletin, you've got a little colored card and, and what we're wanting you to do is we're wanting you this week to write your comeback story. Obviously, it's not going to be long. It's going to be like a tweet, um, we would say. And so, so please, this week and next week for Mother's Day, we're going to decorate those two crosses we had up here a few weeks ago with these cards. And so we want you to take the time this week just to, to write it. You don't even have to put your name on it because we want to save these stories. We want to send these to our seniors. 
Many of your stories would involve your mom. And so please write this and bring this next week. And, and during our time together, uh, we'll make something very beautiful out of all of our comeback stories. I love the quotation. It's not how far you fall. It's how high you bounce that counts. You like that one? It's not how far you fall. It's how, how high you bounce that counts. We've seen that in the life of Joseph. He's sold into slavery. He comes back. He's accused of rape. He comes back. He's in the dungeon. He comes back. I mean, he just keeps coming back. Honestly, it's the story of the Bible. That's why we love all these characters. you got Abraham, man, a liar. He comes back and is the father of all nations. We've got David with such a bitter heart. He comes back and he's the man after God's own heart. We've got Peter who won't even admit he knows the Lord who preaches the first sermon. We've got Paul who kills Christians and comes back. And my goodness, he's the greatest promoter of the gospel. It's, it's the story of the Bible. And here's what I want you to know. It can be your story. Everybody falls. That's not the question. The question is, does your fall precede your comeback? It doesn't matter how far you fall. It matters how far you bounce back. And some of you may say today, well, buddy, man, I have fallen a long way, man. I mean, it's been multiple times. So has Joseph. So has Trace. So has me. All of us. Because the truth about it is the further you fall, the higher that you can bounce, okay? <laughs> and the worse the preacher's going to look, all right? I mean, guys, it's, it's just the cool thing is that it bounces high. Now, so many of you, your life has not felt that way. Your life has felt more like this. I mean, you had all these dreams and they didn't happen. And there was no bounce back. And maybe you even come to church today and there's, there, there's been no bounce back. I mean, your dreams were dashed. You were done wrong. You were stabbed in the back. You were raised in a family that wasn't that good to you. You, you, you lost a job. You lost a mate. I mean, you name it, man. You have been through it and it's just been a thud. Here's the good news of everything we're saying today is that you have the chance to bounce back. And so it's not how far you fall. It's the bounce that counts. And today, that's the difference in people who bounce back and don't. It's people who know God. The difference is that we know behind all the ups and downs of life, there's a story being weaved, and it's the story of, of God. And it's a story that not only will bless you, but would rescue somebody else. And so this morning, if today's your day to bounce back, man, why don't you come? Why don't you come right now while we stand together and sing?